0: Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 952. Let's immediately jump into the ID10T uh, corkboard. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be performing in Madison, Wisconsin. Madison, Wisconsin. Um, Next weekend. So from this time, that would be the 26th, 27th, and 28th. Um, I'll be there with Mike Furman and April Richardson. Uh, We'll be a Comedy on State in Madison. Please don't snow while I'm there. Please, (laughs) please, 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 please don't snow. Please, please don't. Katie, what else?
1: Uh, Kim Petty writes, I'm a first-time exhibitor and would love to get some traffic to this event. It's the Patches and Pin Expo. Over 75 artists from around the globe are showcasing and selling patches and pins for one day only at Metropolitan West 639 West 46th Street in New York. It's on Saturday, April 21st from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. The website is patchesandpinexpo.com. $10 dollars presale, $20 at the door. Also, if you want to check out Kim uh, on, uh, on on social media, you can find her at Meow on Instagram. Also, go see some comedy and support A Good Cause on Monday 30th at Caroline's on Broadway. Farm Sanctuary is presenting a moving night of comedy f- featuring hilarious comedians Nikki Glazer, Julio Torres, Ashley Nicole Black, Mike Kaplan, and more. There will be free vegan snacks and two free drinks. Visit carolines.com or bit.ly slash comedy.com. And that's Cow Medi, like comedy with a cow. Cow meddy Night for more info where to buy tickets.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Katie Levine. Um, this episode is Antonio Banderas, who was <laughs> just endlessly charming. He is. He was so wonderful and engaging.
1: He was. And he was so interesting, too.
0: He really was. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's such a force of... Uh, magnetism mm-hmm. that if he had just come over and said I refuse to talk I would have just stared at him for an hour with the podcast <laughs> and yet he was so he was so wonderful and and so uh, thoughtful and uh, and we played half a chess game afterwards, (laughs) and then he had to go. Um, But he is promoting – he's playing Picasso uh, in the series Genius. The first season of Genius was about Einstein. This one's about Picasso. A special two-part premiering um, this Tuesday, April 24th at 9 p.m. on National Geographic. So watch it. Support him. Uh, he's a very lovely man. He is. Um, Antonio I
1: texted Anthony Darian and I said, "Why don't you have a Spanish accent?"
0: <laughs> I didn't tell him that I did. I used to do a bit in my act about how uh-huh. his about his voice as the next XB uh-huh. that it was just so sensual. <laughs> You know, it was like for, for a yeah. bee to be talking about, uh, you know, like opening Mucous up your airways. <laughs> it was just like, it's just, it's just so sexy yeah. for that, you know. But, ah. uh, but he was a, an absolute delight, and it was a pleasure to have him on. Um, this episode brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. All right, get rid of all the junk that's lying around in your bathroom. Freshen it up with high-quality products from Dollar Shave Club. Uh, members are going to get everything they need from the morning routine delivered right to the door. DollarShaveClub.com You're going to look your best Feel your best Smell your best Smells are important They have razors Shave butter Butter For shaving (laughs) Not cream Butter Anthony uses
1: it He loves it
0: you know, he's like, you rub it on yeah. your face and then you have to be tempted to not lick <laughs> it off your hand. Don't, uh, the disclaimer do not lick off your hand. Uh, shampoo, they also have body wash, toothpaste, everything you need. Uh, get an amazing high quality shave from Dollar Shave Club Executive Razor. It is the best razor that you will ever have. Their Dr. Carver Shave Butter is fantastic. So it goes on clear so you can see exactly where you're shaving. And because they deliver everything to you, you don't have to set foot in a store wandering the aisles, sniffing things. <laughs> now, a lot of the drugstores like put everything behind, like, like a yeah. plastic you know, they have to come yeah, out like and open it for person. you or yeah exactly yeah then you got to get everyone's attention and know who, who wants that in a drugstore but uh, razor shampoo body wash toothpaste all of it there from dollar shave club clean up your bathroom and your morning routine join dollar shave club today for just five bucks with free shipping you're going to get the six blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter body cleanser and one wipe Charlie's then you keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash ID10T that's dollarshaveclub.com slash ID10T to shave better and support this podcast which is the episode number 952 of the the ID10T podcast, Antonio Banderas. Katie, por favor. Initiating
1: ID10T protocol.
0: some really great houses up here. This neighborhood's interesting because it like many neighborhoods in Los Angeles, it was really great like in the 20s, 30s, 40s and then 50s, 60s, 70s, it went down in the 80s and then it started to come back around. So you have these really amazing houses and then stuff that was built in the 60s yeah. okay. that just never that just looks like it's about to fall down. So it, it, uh, it's kind of Los Angeles. It's
2: possible to buy some properties in this area still. Sure. That are you know, interesting, I suppose. Yeah. Like some of those houses, for example, you just can buy, tear it down, and just build.
0: Yeah, people do. Oh, yeah, like the dumpy ones. But unfortunately, what happens, though, a lot of the time is people will buy a beautiful old Spanish house, and they will either gut it and make it modern inside, which kills me, or they'll just they'll just yeah. no
2: no no I'm talking about the bad ones <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah you can a lot of those um, people just lived in like you know elderly people they had just lived there for decades right. and so a lot of times you know either they pass away or, or they, they're they moved out by their family and then they'll, they'll come up every once in a while but yeah there's still a lot of so great there,
2: I have a house still there in, in, I have a house in oh. New York in uh, a beautiful apartment in Central Park and uh, it's great, but I don't have anybody in New York, really. Right. I, I bought it at a certain time in my life, because I thought, well, this is fun, you know, when the kids go to university, and you know, you know, we can live in New York, have the Aspen house, and then Marbella in Spain. So, it was all a strategy that... <laughs> 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 but it had the house in New York, and... Uh, and I don't have anybody in New York, but my family is still here. Oh. You know, I mean, my daughter is studying in the U.S.C., Dakota lives here, Alexander has some rock band here, even Melanie, which I, I see her eventually, you know, is here, so they are, they are my family. if right. We are divorced, you know, right. but they are still my family, so I'm going to buy a house here. And I was trying, you know, a couple of years ago, I came and I saw things there, but uh, uh, it's not that easy to find a thing that you're looking for. I'm not looking for something very big because I live in London, right? And um, so, I, something that can, two people can just actually keep in the
0: house, right? Life. Yeah, yeah, just a nice house, yeah. But, yeah. but 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 good, a good chunk of property, so you yeah. can keep, uh, could, yeah, 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 keep so isolated a little bit. But it's it's great because it. I mean, you know it. Uh, the 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 sort of the contemporary history of Los Angeles is not that old, but I, it would be fun to. I've never been to Spain, but I want to go and see. Like, right. oh, this is what a <laughs> this is what real old Spanish architecture looks like in person. Oh, yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, I bought, the house that I have in Malaga now is in front of a Roman theater that is two thousand years old. Oh my god! And on top there is a Moorish castle that is a thousand. So, and everywhere you look, the cathedral is Renaissance. From uh, you know the 1916 uh, something, so you know <laughs> everywhere that you look is very that's
0: Europe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everywhere like, you look is old. When people go to our house, we come to our house. I go, this was built in 1928. <laughs> <laughs> it's very old for Los Angeles. It's a joke, you know. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it no but, uh,
2: yeah the house was uh, 1922 i think the one down there in Hancock Park and uh, you know but they, they have the same feeling probably it was the same architect as you said yeah. it might
0: have been yeah it might have been well you should definitely come back to like come back to los angeles
2: i would love to actually i miss this this city it's just, it's just interesting because when i got in here the other day i didn't have that feeling until i got in here the other day the other day was windy and it was Clean, you know, the whole city was clean and beautiful. And I got at the hotel and I looked at and I said, Oh man, that's the place I did this. That's the place. I because I have a very, very high floor in the Four Seasons and I can see everything. And I missed it.
0: I miss it. Yeah, there is a nice. I mean, i i like to, I like to visit New York, but you know, Los Angeles to me just feel. I mean, it's it's such a sprawling city, but you know, you kind of find your little yeah. arteries and you go there, and then you. you really New
2: York has a lot of character, but sometimes too
1: much,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and too much of a character <laughs> just confronts you. Well, <laughs> I think I think in in New York you sort of buy in. You sort of buy the location of the community that you want to be in. Yeah, it's true. But LA, you sort of. You kind of form that community because yeah. you drive everywhere, yeah, so it's it's, it's, it's a little bit different. But uh, but I really I love it here. I really yeah. love it here. Um, I got I saw the first episode of the show, and you're fantastic. Well, thank you. Oh my yeah. God, you're so it's. I mean, you're him. You're him.
2: Well, if you like the first episode, I think you are going to love the series then, because he start getting better and better and better and more and more complicated. Um, the life of Pablo Picasso is... Uh, I mean, I know, I knew very much about him because I was born in the same city that, that he was born. And uh, so, consequentially, I knew about him since the time I was a little kid. It was this kind of shadow of Picasso all over us, Spaniards. And especially because at the time that I started being conscious that of the existence of Picasso, it was still in the times that we had Franco mm-hmm. as a dictator and Spain was under a dictatorship. Uh, we got very little international heroes mm-hmm. and from my town none except him but he was enormous he got this, this it was this planet with this tremendous gravity you know picasso and um, but when i started just doing the research for the movie i started learning you know um, a lot of things about his mm-hmm. private
0: life Complicated. It's very deep. complicated. Yeah, 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 yeah and that's—it's such an interesting—you know—the the, the title of the series is really interesting because it, the idea of genius is very confusing to me because is it is it a thing that you. I mean, it, in other words... not an infinitum, right? Y- yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't... It, it, is it because he... Do you think there was something that was just innately artistic about him? Or because he was so obsessive? Or because he worked so hard? I mean, is it... Because I think we have this very romantic idea that some people are just touched with a gift.
2: Right. Well... Uh, it's, it's very we debate that uh, you know everybody who has been involved in the show the producers directors all the actors when we have the on Saturday nights what is a genius you know and we try just to find a definition for a genius and it's very really difficult to actually find a definition for a genius you can come with things like uh, okay a genius is a person who breaks the rules of the game and uh, proposing something new something that is better something original and creative uh, that affects a very large number of people mm-hmm. so you can go with something like that. But it's not exactly that, you know. There are more nuances to the word genius than that. Uh, Geniuses can be very, very complicated people, can be very egotistical people, very self-centered, very arrogant. So uh, they produce when they walk through life a lot of collateral damages too at the same time. So uh, genius is a... it's not all good <laughs> right right that right comes right with right
0: it, you know right and in some cases it seems like and certainly in his case too people are very conditioned to be self-centered Because everyone just, you know Oh, let's excuse their behavior Because they're so brilliant And know oh, it's okay It's just part of their It's yeah. just part of their thing It's just part yeah, it's of true. how we, They're weird, you know <laughs> And I wonder <laughs> You know I wonder, I wonder how real that is But it obviously, you know It's, I mean, he... He wasn't really conditioned to live any other way. He was able to, you know, have all these girlfriends everywhere, father of these children, do kind of whatever he wanted. And no one really said anything. He was very
2: famous, very respected, uh, very powerful, very rich, very soon. And uh, probably that was one of uh, the things that uh, conditioned his life in a very specific way. Uh, I think it, he probably—I don't know if conscious or unconsciously—he decided not to grow up. I mean, Picasso is, uh, is, a, is a child until almost the day he died. Mm-hmm. And you know, there are certain things that childs do with seven years, with ten years, that are very funny. When they do those with seventy, it's not fun at all. Right, right, right. It's right, very right. complicated. Right, and so he. Grab literally the things and the humans that he was interested in. Literally, they took them for himself, took them almost like uh, property. Uh, all the, her, his muses, you know, fed the genius, fed the artist, the creative guy. He needed that kind of vertigo in order to create. Uh, at some point, he actually is aware of that, but he cannot avoid it. He knows that his sacrifice is not being comfortable, not getting to a position of being bourgeois, and you know, and he had that possibility with Olga Koklova. Olga Koklova was a woman who got a lot of money mm-hmm. from family and stuff like that. Uh, he had that possibility with uh, Maria Teresa Walter too. He got a beautiful daughter called Maya. She was a beautiful woman and sensitive and soft and wonderful. And he knew when he was with her that the artist was dying, so he gotta do something. And that something always was in the figure of another woman right. coming into the picture, and so you know at some point that all became a huge mess uh, that damaged a lot of people around him.
0: Yeah, because it seems like he identifies, you know, at least according to the to the story to the show, he identifies very early. You know, this his his friend gets him a prostitute. He's like 14 years old, and yeah. he's so fascinated by the female form and sections and sex and sexuality, but you're right. It doesn't really seem, it seems like it just kind of starts and ends there for him. And he never really matures beyond that. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and and in a way it seems like he's not, his only intimacy is with his painting and not necessarily with any of the people in his life.
2: He says it on the, TV show even, you know, several times, you know, the only thing that was important for him really, really, really was his art. Everything else has to be sacrificed in order uh, to create a big fire that is actually, uh, you know, what uh, what he became. So everybody went into the fire. It's almost like a big planet, as I said before, you know. And if you got caught in the orbit of the planet, you're lost. Even Francoise. Yeah. Even Francoise, who is the only woman that actually confronted him face to face. I mean, this is the one who's an intellectual, who was smart, who was very young. He was, she was 21 years old by the time that they got together because it was 64 and because he was married. She, he got a ring. His finger. And notoriously, you know, um, two, two, at least two of his uh, lovers and mistresses, uh, they were around. Uh, one of them with a baby, Maria Teresa Walter, and then Dora Mar. So she knew was, <laughs> where she was getting him. Right. You know, but uh, but it's true that at a certain point, she left him. Now, she thought that she was free of him. No. No. Go to Wikipedia, just punch Francois Gillot. And you talk about a French painter, blah, blah, blah. But if you keep writing, you're going to find that he says Muse of Picasso. Picasso is always there. Right. So it's almost impossible to just get out of, of this kind of gravity. Now, as an artist, after I analyze and, and, and study and research, and not only me, but many people around, is the, the purest artist that I have the possibility of studying in my life. I mean, it's unbelievable. The honesty of this guy with what he did, what he... Put in, in painting is incredible that honesty is the same one that became actually part of his problem, a misery because he was there was no filter right if he had to say something to you, it was just like a boom. no no sentimentalisms, no way of saying that polite no 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 no, it was like a catabo you know it's very 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 strong and merciless when he had to be uh, when he had to express anything do you think
0: that this uh, that people who are quote unquote geniuses they're so self-centered so therefore they're so in touch with what they want the kind of vision that they have but it just it feels like a story that we see over and over again with whether it's you know Picasso or like Peter Sellers or Steve Jobs or anyone who's some sort of creative visionary and like, yeah, but not the best person to be around no. at the same time. Do you think that's necessary to be that self-centered, to be a genius? I don't know if
2: it's necessary. I think it's compulsive. I, I think it's actually something they cannot avoid. I think it actually genius is a pathology. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I, I, I don't think they can avoid it. I don't think they can avoid it. This is the way they are. Uh, and they. Uh, it's impossible. And they gain on one side, and you know, and they lose on the other one. So there is no balance in that. It's very, very rare that you find. Actually, <laughs> there is a character in the movie that seems to have that balance. And, and he's another painter. And he's uh, uh, Matisse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henri Matisse is a man that found this kind of zen position. I loved Picasso, by the way. You know, Picasso can relate and can establish a wonderful relationship of friendship with equals. And and, and Matisse was one of those. Um, uh, Jean Cocteau was another one. Paul Eloy. Uh, you know, people like that that, that were at, at a certain level... He keep this kind of, uh, you know, normal... Not all the time, because he fought all the time with Chagall, he fought with with all of them at a certain point, you know. But Matisse actually kept that. But the rest of them, some of them were very damaged. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even in, or even in the case of like Van Gogh, who in his time wasn't oh, yeah. considered a genius, but then after, oh, actually, it turns out this guy was a genius the whole time. He was brilliant. We didn't know it at the time, but now, now we know. So, is it? I guess it's really a reflection of how people respond to you. Is that where it is? Well, I, or, you know, some type
2: of uh, as I said to you before, pathology in your in your brain, in your mind, because it's, it's, it happens the same thing when we saw, when I saw the, the, the first uh, season and I saw um, the story of uh, Albert Einstein, um, it, it, the surprise for me was, uh, you know, you expect to see a scientist and the, the, the TV show was going to be interesting because this is a guy who actually... Uh, You know, decomposed time and and, and all of those scientific uh, things. Really, don't know. He got a lot of activity going on (laughs) in his life too. You know, uh, with women and, and, and problems. So. You know, it's not the, the environment, because the environment in which Einstein was com- was completely different, the environment of universities, the environment of teaching professors, you know, scientists. It's not the environment of Picasso. Picasso is an environment of artists, you know, and, uh, and uh, absenta. <laughs> and, uh,
1: you know, ev- ev-
2: everything that represents, you know, the beginning of the century in the Paris of the 1900s, you know, uh, at the end of the, uh, yeah, the 1900s, and then the beginning of the 20th century. All of that, and you know, no they kind of are the same. You analyze them, they move very, very in parallel lines. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because uh, when National Geographic did it, it, when I saw Einstein, I thought that it was seeing the life of an artist. And when I did Picasso, uh, it, we treated him sometimes like a scientist.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, It's very interesting, you know, because they are not so far away from each other. No, that's so funny you say that, because Steve Martin had this play called Picasso at the la Pina uh-huh. and And I think it was, I. It, it's this sort of... Um, you know a uh, fictitious encounter where i think it's einstein meets picasso oh, at that. this bar and they they have this contest where they both go off and do the thing they do in a in like 1 minute and einstein writes down a bunch of numbers and picasso paints a thing and uh, Picasso says, well, mine's better. And, and, and Einstein says, why? And Picasso goes, that's a formula. And then Einstein looks at Picasso's and goes, so is that. Okay. And it's like you, you can see that they're definitely, uh, on, a, on a foundational level, they're... S- right. Y- you're right. It's a sort of basically kind of the same thing, but just a different, just a different expression.
2: This is true. Yeah, it is true. It's like that, yeah.
0: But I wonder, like, when people... So when people see Guernica and they see it, mm-hmm. do they... is is some of what they're seeing that's brilliant about it because they know he did it? I mean, if they just put that up in the exposition and they didn't say who the artist was, would people go, "Eh, I don't know, it's okay. Or do you think they would feel all the emotion that was attached to it? How important is the story around the piece separate from just the piece?
2: I'm
0: all This
2: is interesting. Uh, These paintings were painted a long time ago. Yeah. Very, very long time ago, you know, when you when one of the things that the modern art museums call your attention is when you see modern art and these crazy, you know, uh, paintings uh, that escape of reality and you go to a totally different level that has to do with the subconscious and stuff like that. This many of these paintings was at the beginning of the century, you know, wow, look at the the way that these guys were exploring. I think the the Guernica. It's a painting that in 1937, when it was painted for the Universal Exposition of Paris of that year, it was a knockout. It was like a, wow. If you don't know, Picasso, you would have said, who did this? <laughs> you know, because it's extraordinarily um, well-balanced. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting painting in every possible way. Um, so, no, I think there was a... a an interview that I saw in all the research, I saw a lot of videos, and there was an interview with Man Ray, the photographer, Surreal photographer, also friends with Picasso, and uh, and the, and the uh, interviewer at, at some point asked him, "So, to understand Surrealism, you have to have a great sense of humor." And the guy says, "No, no, 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 don't be wrong. We were almost like terrorists in our time. We were very serious, and we were very seriously taken, and the people." wanted to kill us in the street and they and they actually got, got violent against us you know and they, we got booed basically in everything that we did oh, you wow. know performance in the theater and stuff like that so we were playing with the morality of a whole entire way of understanding life and we were breaking all the rules of the game so the people were not happy about that they were scared and consequentially because they were scared they were very violent against against uh, all the surrealist group and other groups you know that were just breaking all the rules of the game so So that movement, I don't see in our world, actual world, people breaking the rules and exploring in the same way that these guys did. Not only artistically, you have to read and the story of uh, Dora Maar. Dora Maar was coming before she met Picasso of sadomasochism. You know, these guys were exploring sexually, politically. um, uh, uh, The Russian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, was in 1917. So all of these things are coming from a, you know, uh, they were cooking something important uh, Mm there, and the art was a reflection of that. So if it wouldn't have been Picasso, I think the people would have said, whoa... That painting is extraordinary. You know, when Picasso painted the Mademoiselle of Avignon, he knew that the painting was such an impact. It was going to produce such an impact that for 10 years it didn't show to anybody. 10 years, oh he got God. that painting against the wall. And only show to certain friends, you know, because you see these women, because many, many people think there's a, the Mademoiselle of Avignon is from Avignon, France. No, Avignon is a street in Barcelona where there was a brothel that he used to go. So he painted all these prostitutes, you know, uh, in very, very... Uh, sexual positions with masks that were coming from Africa. So he decomposed completely. That painting probably is the beginning of modern art in a way, you know. So, no, they were absolutely conscious of what they were doing and those expositions were like a punch in the, in the mouth of many um, artists at the time that it was against them. You know, the Renoirs, the old Renoirs, they, they just they didn't like these guys coming mm-hmm. uh, up, you know. And it's interesting because Later on, they had the same reactions, Do you know, with the young painters. Of course, of course. Yeah, and there's a, there a scene that I have with Matisse in the movie, and Matisse says, did you see this Jason Pollock? <laughs> Jason Pollock. And, and, and Picasso says, yeah, but that was just, just paint splattered on a canvas. <laughs> Do you know what is the point?
0: So he started just doing the same game that they did with him. <laughs> it feels like, it seems like it's a tremendous amount of pressure when... You start putting out a string of success after success. Everything's well received, and then being able to take risks beyond that because you would get very scared. I would imagine you want to protect yeah. what you've built. Yeah. And oh, my, and he even in the first episode he says when they ask him to paint this, when they ask him to paint Garnica, he says. I, I don't know if I have anything. I don't know if I have it in me anymore. I don't know. Like he even it seems it seems like he has uh, crisis moment. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So it, it seems like the, part of the package is being terrified that once you attain a certain status, that somehow it's gonna it's gonna go away. Did you? Have, I mean, as yeah. a as a performer. Is that something that's ever in your mind, or do you just like no? I'm just going to focus on each project, each day at a time. Not worry about any of that stuff.
2: No, but eventually you have those thoughts too. Eventually you think that way. You think, oh my god, I don't, I I don't, I am losing something. Um, I don't connect with the character. I don't connect with the people. I don't, I don't connect with the story that I'm trying to tell. Things like that happens. Uh, and many people may recognize this, may or not, but, but it happens to everybody. The art, it happens to painters, it happens to musicians, and they lose the inspiration, and then they come from what you less expected. You know, the, the, I think the worst enemy for success is the anxiousness to get it. Mm-hmm. When you get into that pattern, when you got pressured by just obtaining something that is at, at the end of that tunnel, you know, uh, then is when you don't get it. The tunnels are, you know, <laughs> elongating, and, you know, and, and that object, objective is further and further of you. It has to come from relax and, and certain security. Mm-hmm. Um, Picasso had that. Picasso, when he was 14 years old, painted practically like Velázquez. So then he knew, I can just uh, do whatever I want. I can just... Uh, paint my dreams. I can paint subconscious. I can just invent things. I can just break all the rules because I paint like Velázquez or Vermeer. And then he just jumped into that. You have to have that security. Right. Otherwise, you don't have it with you. But even Picasso had this crisis. At that time, particularly, right before he painted the Guernica, he stopped painting. He almost didn't paint anything for a year and started writing. He started writing poetry. By the way, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad at all. And uh, and, and and also a play. I think he did a play, too. And, um, uh, and then the Nika opened, uh, again, you know, the possibility to continue painting. But the, the, at that time, and I think it has to do also with uh, the situation of craziness that he had in, in his life, you know, with the women. Though he kind of... Uh, I mean, you saw it. He, he he laughed with his two women fighting for
0: him. Oh, loved it! Yeah, it almost it almost seemed to it. it, it, it was, I, I thought at least what I was take took away from that scene was that you know he he said, "Well, I'm not you know I'm not there at the battle. I'm not seeing and I'm not." And then they start fighting, and he's almost fe- and then he immediately goes to the canvas. He's almost feeding off their rage. Yeah, and that and that delights him.
2: Yeah, totally. And that, that was documented. That, document, that was documented very well. You know, I mean, that come practically in every book of Picasso. So that, that really happened. Actually, I, I think we didn't want to introduce that element, but I think it was Maya was there, you know, as a little girl. Right. <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah. It's funny because I was doing one day... A scene with uh, Paul a uh, character that is played by uh, an actor called uh, Stopper, the song of Tom Stopper, the, the theatre writer, and uh, and I, I am talking about Maya in the scene, and I became very good friends with the grandson of Picasso, Olivier uh, Picasso. And he came to visit us. And I finished the singing, which I'm talking about Maya with him. And he said, my mom, will talk to you. <laughs> and it was Maya <laughs> with 82 years old. Oh, my God. And to, in perfect Spanish, perfect Spanish. Antonio, um, I am French, but I am Spanish too. And he started talking and talking and talking. And, and he, he advised me, he said, my mom talks a lot. <laughs> so, and she did, but it was beautiful, it was priceless, that conversation, all the things that he said. But basically, she said something that opened my eyes to many comments that I have heard before about the relationship that he got with his family and with his kids. And said, my father was 360% father to me. He loved me, and I loved him very much. So whatever they said to you, it's not true. I love my father, you know, and it was. It, it, I love that conversation with her because nobody told me that. That was her, telling me that straight, you know, and uh, and I thought, hmm. that's when I start sus- suspecting of everything that I read about him because you read things that uh, are describing a same event, right, in different ways, mm-hmm. you know, and Francois. It's, a, it's a actually a very interesting book because she described, you it right, right, in detail. Life with Picasso. In, in detail, you know, and she described in detail situations. With, with detail that is sometimes extraordinary, right? Um, and for somebody who was creating a character, for me was very valuable. But at some point, I started reading between the lines a little bit. Because I was reading things in other books, in other biographers that kind of contradict things that I was reading there. So we had to be very careful. I, I tried to be very careful when I was talking about him and when I was creating the character, you know, because sometimes it's true that he becomes kind of a monster. Mm-hmm. It's true. But sometimes he was a very loving man. Right. And also, he paid a huge price at the end of his life. He was totally alone. Even if he was married with Jacqueline Roque, Jacqueline Roque closed the house and nobody could visit him. There is a scene in which he's asking, you know, we, we, we didn't... I don't know anything about my kids lately. He says, uh, do they know that I, that I had a surgery? And he says, yeah, well, yeah, I'm here to protect you. And says, you don't have to protect me. It's my family. It's my family. And so right before we see a scene in which the kids come and they want to see their father and they don't allow them to do something. Oh, my gosh. And you know what happened? That dies is not in the movie... Pablito, I mean, on the, on the side of Olga Kokolova, he got one boy with her, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it was called Paolo. And then he got um, uh, a kid called Pablito. Uh, and Pablito tried to visit the grandfather several times and didn't allow him to do so. Um, for that reason of enclosing the family. Right. The day that he died, then Picasso died, the 8th of April, uh, 1973, He went to the house, and the the father didn't allow him to get in the house. Oh, my God. So you know what he did? He went back to Mojon, the village, and he wrote um, um, kind of an ad saying in in the ad says, um, Soy Pablito Picasso, grandson of Pablo Picasso. My grandfather died this morning. My family doesn't allow me to see him. And he put it over his neck, and he was all around town with this tag. For the whole day, and when he finished that act, he went home and he drank a bottle of bleach, and he died three weeks after. Oh so you know the the story of the uh, Maria Teresa Walter. Forty years after, almost probably more, more. forty years after they broke up, and uh, Pablo Picasso continuously sent her letters feeding actually that relationship still you know and eventually had dinner with her and telephone calls and stuff like that when pablo picasso died she committed suicide those two years after she wrote nine letters to members of the family and hung herself and then in 1986 jacqueline roque the last wife of picasso blow her brains off in a hotel in madrid the day that he was, she was presenting an exposition about Pablo Picasso. So the price of everything that happened around the life of Picasso has tremendous consequences, you know. And he was absolutely alone at the end of his life. He used to go to the bullfights in the south of France with his best friend. And you know who his best friend was? His hairdresser, a guy from Spain called Arias. That was it. He didn't see his kids. He didn't see his wife, ex-wife. He was absolutely alone.
0: The end. Is there a cautionary tale? <laughs> what is the cautionary tale? What do you think you learned from him?
2: Well that true artists pay a high price mm-hmm. because there is a tremendous sacrifice behind every action they do. And the only thing that they can feed themselves is through life and through people. And sometimes unfortunately. They have the capacity of destroying, you know, and their relationship and the life uh, who surround them. You learn that you have to be careful, you know. With art, can be very damaging sometimes <laughs> for the people who practice it. Is it worth it? Do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. If we had Pablo Picasso here, here uh, probably he would laugh on us and say, "Wow, oh, come on, guys! What are you guys talking about? You no, know, it's ob- absolutely it's worth it." He would say something like that but I am not completely sure that that was what he thought.
0: (laughs) You know what? I I didn't know this until I read this a couple days ago, but um, uh, did you not speak English until like 1991 or two? Mm -hmm. 1991. And you came, you came to do films here. I came because they
2: called me to do a movie called the Mambo Kings. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember that. And uh, I had an interview in London with uh, the, the director Arnie Glimcher, and uh, he realized that I couldn't speak English. (laughs) And so he said to me, uh, you know, if you can learn these lines phonetically, I would like to just test you in New York. And so I went to New York, and for three days I was uh, doing screen tests there. And at the end they said, okay, we're going to go with you. And so they they hire me and they put me in Berlitz school. <laughs> 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 that was my beginning here in America. Yeah, I couldn't speak one word of English. It's, if you said to me now, uh, you're going to do a movie in China in Chinese, it would be the same thing. That, that at that time, English for me at that time was as as that you know as some very strange language.
0: That's so interesting because it. You know, I always wonder about performing art in other languages. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you, 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 I would imagine if you're a performer, you, you probably have to have a certain understanding of the language and mm-hmm. even the subtext and how, right. because it's more than just words. Definitely. And so, how do you, <laughs> you know, how, how do you start understanding? I mean, that's a whole other learning curve well, by, okay. by that point.
2: Well, in, in, in Imam Mukins, it was absolutely justified. There are two brothers that uh, they escaped from Cuba. And so they arrived to the United States without even speaking the language. And in that you can see that in the movie. I mean, we perform that. Yeah. You know, the, the beginnings of these guys, you know, they, they don't know anybody, don't know anything. They don't know even to communicate. Um, and so in the second movie, also, in Philadelphia, I play a Spanish guy um, who actually has a relationship, in this case, a homosexual relationship with Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. And so... He had the kind of the same problem, you know. So it was justifying my first characters in America. Um, but then something interesting happened when you work in a different language. Uh, it's exactly what you said. You, you know, it's not only words. Every word has a value, a psychological value for you. Um, you say nostalgia or you say country or you say... The, the, boom, you, you, you have something in your brain. That said... I would say also that it sometimes could be an advantage that you don't have that emotional charge in the words. For example, um, for me it was way easier when I got to America to say I love you than to say, te quiero, because te quiero in español, o te amo, this charge, you Sure, know? the voice is very strong, but, but I love you, it's just words, <laughs> so, you know, it's like if you go to Spain, for example, and they, and they teach you to say bad words, you say them because you don't know the value of them, and you say them freely in a table, and everybody will be like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, what he said, but for you, it's nothing. It's just the sound.
0: There's right? no. There's no. That's so yeah. funny that, to use another language to emotionally disconnect. You can. You can disconnect actually. What are some? Gro- what are some really good local Spanish swears? <laughs> what are some good? I mean, I know you know. Right? I, I hear in Los Angeles says ah chingas su madre. You know, like you you say they say stuff, but like, do you want me to say some? Yes, song? yes, 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 yes. I heard one.
2: In a, in a soccer match once that, <laughs> Of course That really, really caught my attention I, I don't know if I can Translate that exactly As it sounds In, sp- in Spanish In Spanish it says No me cago en tu padre Porque lo mejor soy yo Now In English That would be Strong eh? <laughs> Are you guys ready? Yes So okay It's uh, I am not gonna take a shit In your father <laughs> Because I may be your father <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so that. recursive that. Oh my god That's cr- That's insane It's insane It's
2: uh, It's, it's, it's just Sophisticated At the same time And brutal <laughs> It really
0: is Oh my god I don't think we have That kind of eloquence <laughs> With our swears I would shit on you, but I might be your father. So I am not going to do it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I would, I would debase you, but I might own you. Like, I might, I might, oh my God, that's brilliant. Yeah, but in Spanish it sounds better. In
2: Spanish it sounds like radical, you know. Me cago en tu padre porque a lo mejor soy yo.
0: Bang! But you know, there is nothing you can say against that. The record scratch, everything stops. Oh my God, that's really incredible. But obviously, you know that. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, the, the Americans are so enamored. Of your accent. What
2: is your name? I don't understand that word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they love it. They love it. Okay. They love it. They're amorous of your, of your, uh, of your accent. So are, are there times where you felt that you've leaned into the accent a little bit? Because you go, well, I think this will win the room over if I, uh, you know.
2: Well, no. No, it's, it's interesting because we, we can see it from two different sides. You know, for me, for example, I just came from doing a show, a TV show here, one of those night shows. I don't want to say which one, but a night show. Uh, you have no idea how difficult that is for me. No idea. Because those shows, I mean, you, I'm talking with you now, but we are relaxed. Uh, there is no pressure right um, we have time I have time to think a little right. bit I, don't, I, don't, I am here with you now and I know that I don't have to be all the time funny right. or I don't have to be anything right. I just we're talking right? but in those shows you have to have a certain
0: rhythm you have six minutes basically six seven minutes, minutes. and I'm you have to have shows. a certain
2: rhythm and you have to really do it there yeah If you don't do it there, you're out. (laughs) Now, the effort that I have to do to understand that rhythm and how I can position myself there is very complicated. In Spanish, I can do it, of course. Easy, you know, because there are many years behind of doing these shorts and stuff. But in English, it still is a challenge for me.
0: Is there anything that that you fell in love with about our culture that surprised you? you Many things many things about
2: America that surprise me and still surprise me. This this is a wonderful project. (laughs) (laughs) America is one of the... It's almost like the most beautiful experiment that mankind has ever done, in a way. You know, I, I remember I met Bill Clinton once and then and he was fascinated by a movie, the first movie I directed um, uh, called uh, Crazy in Alabama. It's a movie that goes through the three bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's movement yeah. and stuff like that. And we start talking and he said to me, he asked me, so what do you like about America? You know, what is that thing? And, uh, and I remember in the Olympic Games of nineteen sixty. Eight, I think it was in Mexico, something like that. I was eight years old, and I was watching the black and white television, one channel only we have in Spain at the time, and I was seeing the, the ceremony of the uh, aperture ceremony, and I remember, you know, the, the parade that they do, and the, here comes, you know, uh, I don't know, Japan, and they are all Japanese, and then they come Kenya, and they are all blacks, and, uh, and here comes Sweden, and they are blonde, and they come America, and they were from everywhere. And that diversity for me was extraordinary. You know, people from different races, with different faces, uh, come parading under the same flag. And I thought, that's beautiful. And still now, I get kind of emotional with that. I don't know why, but that is something that I love, you know, to see how a country can, with all the problems behind Mm -hmm. this that we had, you know. I mean, I'm telling you, I did a movie about the civil rights movement, so I know about the suffering of many communities and. Spanish community, and look at what's happening now with the walls, and the thing continues. But the project is there, and it survives, and it's still there, you know? There is something... The Americans are believers. Believers. In... in, You see that I have done theatre on Broadway. There is no better audience in the world than the audience on Broadway. You give them a little bit, and it's like... (laughs) (laughs) You know... They want to have fun. They really go there in a positive attitude. You see, you go in a theater in Spain, and the people is looking at you like, uh, let's see. (laughs) Really? Let's see if you are worth what I spent in the ticket to watch. Prove to me.
0: Prove to me, you know, from A to Z, that you actually are going to entertain me. It's so interesting because we started this conversation talking about... Houses and homes and where <laughs> you feel at home, you know, being in New York or being here or being in London. Yeah. And it. we really kind of came back around to the sort of cultural idea of what home is, you know, or, or maybe and Picasso not necessarily ever really fe- not feeling at home in the last days of his life. So what do you think? What is it that you think? home is what is what is home to you is it a community is it a is it another person is it a structure what is it to you home
2: if i if i have to say physically what is home is malaga that's my home and that's where i will end up my days in malaga i have a poem written in a little pool that i have in a uh, yeah, swimming pool in, in the terrace, in a beautiful apartment that I have in there in Málaga. Uh, and he says, uh, and Translating is uh, at the shade of a boat uh, when I wanna just lay down one day and put everything that I have live in my back and dream about happiness. I would like to do that That's someday. really wonderful. You know, just to go there and just enjoy my hometown, you know, with my people and tell them the stories of the adventures of my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I would love to do that someday. But it seems that actually now home, if I don't talk about a physical place, is where I am and with the people that I love. That is home, yeah. really.
0: I want to learn that phrase you said because I want to write that in Spanish on my pool and people go, that's beautiful. And then they go, what does it mean? <laughs> oh, it means I would shit on you. if I would shit on your father, but I might be your father. Like, I think I think I want to put that on my pool. If that's sure. You'll have to teach me how to say that. Okay. Um, but this has been just so lovely talking to you. And, and are you... And in general... And, and you also... You're such a lovely, nice guy. Like, you're so... You seem so happy. Do you, do, do you feel like... Do you, do you feel in general like, yeah, I'm doing it. I feel like I, I'm doing the things I set out to do or... Do you, do you really, do you feel? I have no complaints and no
2: regrets, like that song says, you know. No complaints and no regrets.
0: That's fantastic.
2: Really, I, uh, of course, bad things happen in my life. You know, I lost my mother this year, oh, my, I'm my so father great. six years ago. I had a heart attack a year and a half ago. How are you feeling? I feel great. Good. I run every morning. You know, Does that change five, your perspective? Yes. It filters life. It filters life. You realize what is important. When that thing happens, when you say death so close it's oh why I am doing this stupidity, why I'm so worried about this things that is so nimious and it doesn't mean anything to me, you know. Then friends become very important, family becomes very important, you know, the the, the, the essential things are precious, you know, and uh, you, so you start cultivating that again. You just go back to uh, uh, kind of your roots, and uh, you know, and you become less anxious, you know, because you realize that there is only one certainty, right? Is death. That's perfect. Yeah, nothing is perfect but death. That comes, and everything else is relative. Everything.
0: It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. You know, we we uh, we say we tell people at the end of the podcast, we say, enjoy your burrito. It means enjoy your, <laughs> enjoy your moment as you're having it. Yeah. But I think it would sound a lot better coming from you. Will you please tell people to enjoy their burrito?
2: Absolutamente. Um, just enjoy your burrito, man, because it could be the last burrito of your life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that, that, that's one of the best ones. That is one of the best ones ever. Thank you so much. You're very It was welcome. good to see you. Same here, man. All right. <laughs> ID 10 scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.